Note, this episode of Imagine If contains historical records with mild racism. This does not reflect the view of the host or anyone else involved in the production of Imagine If. Thank you. The date is December 17th, 2020. You're celebrating in your Richmond home. A major holiday is just around the corner. You're in a local grocery store buying the finest Virginia turkey. A statue of the founding father of your nation stands outside the store. You nod to each of the patrons in the store as well as the clerk. The southern town means a lot to you, from the Capitol building to the farms in the outskirts of the town. You see a parade march toward the Capitol. It may be winter, but it never gets cold in the south, not here at least. You return to your manor outside Richmond. Your servant serves you a traditional southern meal of mashed potatoes and gravy, with the finest potatoes imported straight from Idaho. Idaho, you think. You've always had a dislike for that state, but their potatoes are better than you admit. Your servant turns to you. Anything else? Master? Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton, and this is our episode on an alternate American Civil War. The American Civil War was the bloodiest conflict in American history. 620,000 people died in the war, compared to 644,000 for the total of all other conflicts in American history combined. The American Revolution, War of 1812, both world wars, Korea, Vietnam, all overshadowed by the incredibly high casualty rate of the Civil War. The conflict grew out of the Republican Party's candidate, Abraham Lincoln, winning the White House, which caused South Carolina to succeed or leave the Union on December 20th, 1860. Between January 1st and February 1st of 1861, seven states, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas succeeded. The incumbent president, James Buchanan, proved highly incapable and competent at keeping the states in the Union. The CSA succeeded with reasons, though modern historians debate whether states' rights or slavery was more important in these reasons. The reasons were outlined in declarations by all of the states except Florida, who did not issue a statement on such regions, reasons. The following is an excerpt from the declaration by the state of Texas. We hold, the, we hold as undeniable truths that the governments of the various states and of the Confederacy itself were established exclusively by the white race for themselves and their prosperity, that the African race had no agency in their establishment, that they were rightfully held and regarded as an inferior and independent race, and in that condition could only only could their existence in this country be rendered beneficial and tolerable. Of course, this was an example of high racism. Succession, succession was not necessarily 100% popular in these states. Texas Governor Sam Houston, for example, resigned from his post as the governor of Texas after failing to convince the, the state legislator in Austin to vote against succession. This was very significant, as Sam Houston had been the first and third president of the Republic of Texas and had been a general for the Texan Revolution prior to his service in government. He also was a former senator from Tennessee and governor of Tennessee. In addition, it was opposed adamantly by the Republicans in Washington, including Abraham Lincoln. This did not stop leaders from seven states from holding a constitutional convention in Montgomery, Alabama. The Union began to collapse in the South. Soon, every southern fort fell into Confederate hands except one, Fort Sumner in Charleston Harbor. 
Jefferson Davis, the newly elected President of the Confederate States of America, or CSA, desperately wanted to take the fort. Lincoln opposed it, but lacked the ability to make a show of military force without recognizing the CSA as the legitimate government of the seven states. Davis took advantage and took the and took the fort where one U.S. serviceman died, the first casualty of the war, on April 12, 1861. This led to Virginia voting to succeed five days later, being a crucial state in more ways than one, home of several early presidents and important figures such as George Washington and James Madison. Arkansas followed, then Tennessee. Finally, North Carolina succeeded with a large amount of unionist sentiment and succeeded only after being surrounded by the succession of states of Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Four slave states stayed in the Union, Maryland, Delaware, Kentucky, and Missouri, although the latter two were represented in the Confederate Congress in Richmond. The war lasted for four years, tearing through the South, but touching Kentucky, Missouri, Maryland, and even Pennsylvania, who under Benjamin Franklin was the very first state to abolish slavery. The final casualty of the war, symbolically, although in all actuality, was Abraham Lincoln himself, who died of an assassin's bullet only five days after Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia surrendered at Appomattox. Over a decade of rebuilding followed, known as the Reconstruction. In addition, the Civil War was the first modern war that military technology had evolved beyond the Napoleonic era and into the modern era. These tactics, using Napoleonic tactics, tactics were obsolete and led to massive loss of life. The scar of the Confederacy lives on today with the story of Davis and Lincoln, Lee and Grant, being repeated across time in memoriam. Now, for the imagine if, what if, the Civil War never occurred because Abraham Lincoln and the Republicans recognized the CSA government? Point of Divergence Abraham Lincoln sits in the Oval Office. He just heard news of North Carolina's succession. Only four slave states were left. At least Buchanan had stopped the bleeding more or less. Now, Abraham Lincoln thought back to the oath he made less than three months ago. One line rang clear in his mind. Protect and defend the Constitution. Oh, how I failed, Lincoln thought. He had pondered back on his days as an attorney, when his spells of melancholy and over had overwhelmed him and his fellow lawyers even had to take razors from Lincoln out of fear of him committing suicide. Lincoln reached for a paper and pen. He wrote a short note. I, Abraham Lincoln, apologize for any and all inconvenience my death may have caused. I have seen that my actions as commander-in-chief have led to potentially much loss of life. It is my hope that upon my death, the Confederate States will return to the fold, and that my life may save many others. He tucked the paper in his pocket. He reached for a small knife used to open letters on his desk and cut his wrist. Abraham Lincoln was found dead in the Oval Office, May 23, 1861, by Secretary of War Edwin N. Stanton. His vice president, Hannibal Hamlin, was sworn in as president a day later. In all this strife, the four remaining states had succeeded from the Union. If war broke out, major cities like Philadelphia and Cincinnati would be engulfed. Hamilton penned a statement to Congress. The right to declare independence is a basic human right to societies granted from the above. It is 
has it has freely exercised in the past against powers of Europe, and if it is the will of the South, we will recognize the Confederate States of America as the true and sovereign government of the fifteen states in succession and of the New Mexico Territory. In recognition of such, I advise the leaders of Congress to move the U.S. Capitol to New York City while a new capital in the West can be constructed. The new nations went to work reconstructing. The United States would need to build a new capital. Hannibal Hamlin recommended New York City, but many supported Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, and Detroit. Philadelphia was the first to be struck down. It was a stone throw away from the CSA. Boston was struck down soon after, just because it was too far from the populous center of the United States. New York City seemed like the obvious choice, however, riots broke out in July 1861 for an independent New York. 523 people died in the riot. This dissuaded many from choosing New York. Detroit was on Canada's doorstep, and many were weary of another War of 1812 that could hurt the capital. Chicago, the growing rail metropolis, was chosen. It was renamed Franklin after the founding father from Philadelphia. The Confederate States of America, it was disputed as well. Richmond, Charleston, Jackson, and New Orleans were all disputed. Over the fall and winter of 1861 and 1862, it was narrowed down to New Orleans and Richmond. A nationwide vote was held, and New Orleans won. The city was renamed New Washington. As the new nations began to construct, each needed to adopt new flags, and new political parties formed. The U.S. adopted a flag with a blue background and 18 white stars for the 18 states that had stayed loyal to the Union. The CSA adopted a flag of alternating red and white stripes for the original seven states, with 16 stars for the 15 states and one territory of the Confederacy. The Republican Party became the dominant party of the North and the Democrats of the South. However, challengers to the old parties arose. The National Party arose in the North, and the Imperial Party rose in the South. Each saw their own leaders. Stephen Douglas was seen as that from the Nationals, and Jefferson Davis was that for the South. The nations were on different paths, diverged for good. Immediately, the effects of the split were felt. The North had lost the world's largest source of cotton, and trade of the CSA was in interrupted by U.S. tariffs. Congress, at the urging of Secretary of State William Seward, repealed tariffs on the Confederacy until a trade agreement could be reached. Many abolitionists opposed any trade of the CSA because they allowed slave labor. The CSA was one of only four countries in the Americas that allowed legal slavery, with Cuba, Brazil, and Paraguay being the others. In addition, it was already dead and buried in Europe, Oceania, and the colonies of Britain and France. Slavery only really existed in Africa, the Middle East, and China. Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton was the most vocal, saying he would rather invade the South than pay a cent to slavery. Others realized that this was impractical, including Stephen Douglas, who was making a political resurgence after his crushing 1860 presidential defeat. President Hamlin decided to make a deal with the devil. He would meet with Jefferson Davis in Baltimore, Maryland. They made a deal. The U.S. Ha would have a 1% tariff on con imported to the U.S. and 3% on all other southern goods. However, the sudden rise in the price of con that the Confederacy had the had led to an economic crisis in the Union, with the riots in most major northern cities from San Francisco to Boston. 
the CSA soon got huge trade deals and massive economic wealth. The Great Migration occurred with masses of numbers of northerners moving northerners from the Mid-Atlantic and Great Lakes states emigrating to the Confederacy. Infrastructure took off, and cities like Baltimore, Richmond, and New Washington began to match northern cities in almost every category. About one million people migrated to the south and the north. New Washington got deals with Paris, London, Moscow, Istanbul, and almost every capital in Europe. As 1862 turned into 1863, and 1863 into 1864, the CSA grew in wealth. However, 1864 elections in both countries would bring about change. The United States was the first to hold elections in November 1864. The two parties held their primaries six months prior. As the party in power, the Republicans held theirs first. Two viable opponents emerged, the accidental president, President Hannibal Hamlin, and Secretary of State and Acting Vice President William Seward. The party chose the incumbent Hamlin, with Seward as its running mate. Then there was the National Party, who held their convention a week following. Stephen Douglas and George McClellan were the chosen ticket. In the election, Stephen Douglas won many Midwestern states as well as some New England states for a grand total of 127 electoral votes. Hamlin lost with only 102. The close election shocked many, with the po popular vote being very close. Hamlin won 47%, and Douglas won 51%. The third party, the Unionists, supported reuniting the USA and CSA, and won 4% of the vote. Their candidate was Edwin M. Stanton, a registered Republican. The Confederacy soon followed. The Democrats held their convention in Old Washington, Maryland, as D.C. had been returned to Maryland because it was obsolete for his purposes as the capital, they, of course, chose the incumbent Jefferson Davis, the popular first president of the CSA. The Imperial Party supported John Bell, a former Tennessee senator. In the election, Bell won much of the upper confederacy, while Davis won the lower confederacy. Davis narrowly won 61 electoral votes to Bell's 59. As Douglas was sworn into power, Davis began making plans to form an alliance with the U.S., on March 7th, 1864, three days after Douglas was sworn in, Davis issued a statement to the Richard Examiner. The Confederate States of America formally requests an alliance with the United States of America and the nations of Europe. The alliance, the new Washington Defense Pact, will be the pillar of the free world. All nations of the NWDP and none other will receive Confederate cotton and other goods. All nations have until December 10th to make their decision. The news caused outrage in Europe and the North, with significant backlash in the Upper South. The western part of Virginia, as well as Maryland and Delaware, saw massive riots. Douglas issued a counter in the New York Times, saying, The recent actions of the President Davis and of the Confederate States is shameful. I firmly request Congress to nullify all trade deals with the said nation and to seek our con from other sources, whether they be from whether they be from Europe, from the Americas, or abroad. The situation began to deteriorate. Douglas and Davis fired shots in the press. An armed guard began to patrol the border between the countries. War seemed imminent. Then, the worst happened. On November 11, 1865, the Confederate forces of the 13th Maryland Regiment wandered north into the Union town of Gettysburg, where they ran into the 32nd Pennsylvania Brigade. 
The Battle of Gettysburg followed as Confederates, as followed as Confederates, though through Union forces, were invading. Thought Union forces were invading. The Thirteenth Maryland took over the town and gravely realized they were in Pennsylvania. A full war broke out in the area. It became known as the Fourth War of the Americas, with the American Revolution, War of eighteen twelve, and Mexican American War being the first three. The Confederate forces made early, the earliest advances with armies from Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and North Carolina invading Philadelphia after the Battle of Philadelphia. They continued on to Trenton, where they lost in a huge defeat, taking five times as many casualties as the North. They put up resistance in Wilmington, losing again. Union forces captured all of the Delmarva Peninsula. Then things began to take another turn for the worse for the Confederacy. A bankrupt Mexico decided to move in on New Mexico, capturing the area. Kentucky, Missouri, West Virginia, and Maryland revolted. The Union seemed to be doing well. The Union occupied all of Virginia north of the 3940, then recognized the independence of the border states. Davis suffered an impeachment for abuse of power, then things got better. Alexander Stevens, the new president of the Confederacy, made peace with the Union. The terms were harsh. Mexico got the New Mexico Territory which it quickly sold to France, who sold it back to the United States. The Delmarva Peninsula was entered into the United States as Delaware, with the capital being Dover. Kentucky, West Virginia, Maryland, and Missouri became the Central Republic of Americana, a buffer state between the U.S. and C.S. Your name is Thomas Pratt Hicks, and you're the son of Governor Thomas H. Hicks of Maryland. You're his adult son, and you live outside Baltimore. The Fourth American War has hit you hard, and you're rebuilding from the barn that Union soldiers destroyed. You see a horse gallop in the distance. Maybe it's from Annapolis toward you. You mount your horse and ride out to meet him. It's your father. Hello, father. What are you doing out here? I've come to deliver the bad news. What? The Confederates surrendered. They've made us a buffer state. What? How, how's that right? I, I don't know, son, but I'm riding off... To tell your siblings. Dad, don't leave. There still could be troops. I have to. It's not a choice. Why? Nanny's all the way in, in Kentucky. It's on business. No, you liar. You're the governor of Maryland, not Kentucky. No. I'm the president of the buffer state. Governor Thomas H. Hicks of Maryland was the interim president until elections could be held in 1866. The capital, Baltimore, seemed like the most secure location. Hicks, unlike Davis prior to him, was not re-elected. Hicks knew he needed to secure some money, so he sold northern Missouri to the United States. This included the largest cities in the state, St. Louis, Kansas City, Independence, all were in Union hands. Residents throughout Central Americana broke out in riots. Kentucky was the only full state left in the country, and this made most mad. However, most diplomacy was between the nations the CRA bordered. The post-war states saw a reversal of fortune for the Confederacy and Union. The Union became rich, with northern Missouri growing insane amounts of cotton in the late 60s. The Confederacy had too much cotton, with Missouri, Egypt, India, Africa, Australia, and China, and countless other places to grow cotton. The Confederacy was not needed. This caused farms to be foreclosed throughout the CSA. Among the now homeless was former President Jefferson Davis. 
Former U.S. President Thomas John Tyler and over 10% of each state population. South Carolina had the highest. 41% of its residents were homeless, including 84% of its African-American population. The early exodus from the South saw 1.3 million leave the CSA. The CSA was bankrupted. Then fortune again turned. Central Americana had collapsed, and the CSA annexed all territory with the blessing of the U.S. The U.S. had begun her own imperialist expansions, buying Russian Alaska. Then came a big event. Spain had been running out of money, and as it turned out with Cuba, time. Cuba was the last major Spanish holding in the Americas, and when a revolt started in 1868, the CSA was quick to jump on. The Confederates took control of Havana in the February campaign, leading to the surrender of Spain. Cuba became the 16th state of the Confederacy. Then they continued by buying Jamaica and Belize from, the Brit from Great Britain. This enraged the U.S., not at the Confederacy, but at Britain. They invaded Vancouver in 1870, claiming that they had controlled the region south of the 5440 latitude, which supposedly was settled in 1848, but now was becoming a hot topic again. This started the Fifth War of the Americas, also known as the War of American Imperialism. Britain then made an offer to Mexico. Britain would help Mexico regain all the lands that were once theirs that were now in Union hands. This Mexican-British alliance put the CSA and the USA on the same side, begrudgingly. They had begun to work closer together following the re-election of Douglas and the election of John Bell in the CSA. The CSA landed in the port of Veracruz, and in, 18, in April 1871, after invading most of northern Mexico and Baja California, they had secured control and an eminent victory. The U.S. had taken most of Upper Canada, and Quebec had willingly joined the U.S. as a state. Great Britain surrendered in 1874, Mexico in 1875. The CSA had annexed all of Mexico and the United States all of Canada. At the end of the war, the two signed into being the North American Treaty Organization, NATO, to defend each other. European nations began to fear of the empires growing in, Amer in the Americas. Between 1875 and 1885, Confederates under Johnson and Bell took over the entire Caribbean, and the U.S. had expanded over Hawaii, Alaska, and hundreds of other Pacific islands. American Presidents William Seward and Stephen Douglas had led the country through and Lincoln became a thing of the past, a mentally unstable politician. Then came the generals into national politics. General Ulysses S. Grant and General Robert E. Lee had opposed the expansions in the Pacific and Latin America adamantly, despite being the generals leading them. Grant won the White House in 1871, and Lee made it into New Washington in 1875. Each began to scale back expansionist policies. Grant's, vi Grant's Vice President, William Jennings Bryan, stated that, Expansion is like wine. The more our nation drinks, the more drunk we have become. The higher the want of drink, the higher the want of blood. We have made enemies out of many. All of Europe is against us. These politicians didn't apply this policy to Africa, however. The scramble for Africa had done good for the two American powers, the U.S. getting West Africa and the CSA getting Madagascar and an area known as Nigeria. They each made massive colonies. As time went on, the scourge between the South and the North began to heal, and it would return. And the nations met in Old Washington to, to discuss coming back together.
the capital would return to old Washington, and the Confederacy and Union would be a thing of the past. They had set the date to merge at the dawn of the millennium, January 1st, 1900. Then an upset event happened. Grover Cleveland upset Vice President Rutherford B. Hayes in the U.S. presidential election. He was running on the Northern Democrat ticket. The National Republican Party had merged into the National Republican Party, and Cleveland had one on an isolationist agenda. Many were tired of the loss of American life and hated the CSA still, despite. Still, the fact was that Cleveland won the electoral vote, but lost the popular vote by 3 million votes. This upset many, as the U.S. population was only 150 million, of whom 120 million were registered voters. Then, after Grover Cleveland was sworn in, he canceled the merger. Foreign policy between the two nations deteriorated as the new Washington passed the Third Slavery Protection Act, protecting the peculiar institution for another 20 years. The North had been free of slavery for almost 100 years in some places like Philadelphia. The only real positive thing that happened during the Cleveland administration was the renaming of Franklin back to Chicago. NATO barely stayed in place. Meanwhile, Europe was going through their own rough patch to counter American expansionism in recent conflicts, Portugal, Great Britain, France, Spain, Prussia, Austria, Russia, and the Ottoman Empire created the European Defense League, the EDL. When Prussia merged with Bavaria, Hanover, and other small European con German countries into the German Empire, the president, Otto von Bismarck, had put Germany in NATO instead of the EDL. NATO therefore renamed herself the Global Treaty Organization, the GTO, what shocked Europe next was when Sweden and Italy joined the GTO. Denmark, Norway, Finland, and smaller countries throughout Europe joined the EDL, and the GTO countered with the admission of China, Japan, and Brazil. Each had their own wants for imperialism, and China saw the GTO as an effective way to counter European interests. Japan expanded over the Pacific, taking over the Spanish Philippines and much of Dutch Indonesia. China expanded over Southeast Asia, and Brazil took over Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and Guyana. Argentina and ally Brazil joined the GTO. It was only a matter of time before a conflict arose. A cold war of sorts grew between the GTO and EDL. Things were only made worse by the Panic of 1907, which caused international stock markets to collapse. Only a few were left. The New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, the Richmond Stock Exchange, and the Paris Stock Exchange. This tight financial situation lasted until 1911, when economies reached a more or less normal level. Then the unthinkable happened. In 1913, the HMS Titanic, a British naval vessel, sunk off the coast of American Labrador and lured to Boston. The British blamed the sinking of the vessel on the Americans, despite overwhelming evidence that the ship struck, struck an iceberg. The recently elected president, Theodore Roosevelt, had worked to continue William McKinley's policy of undoing doing Cleveland's harm, but the Great War would change the world's perception of all this. On May 2nd, a week after the Titanic sank, Great Britain declared war on the United States. In response, the United States declared war on the EDL. In response, all EDL member states declared war on all GTO member states. CSA President Woodrow Wilson quickly made contact with Theodore Roosevelt to plan out the war. In June, GTO forces took European islands in the Caribbean and, the P and French Guiana. In Asia, GTO forces moved in on Petropolaskivsk, 
a major Russian port city in Siberia. Nepal and Tibet repelled early Chinese forces. China quickly ran through British Bangladesh. Africa saw GTO forces surrounded. Europe had been at peace through most of the modern military age, not fighting any major conflicts since the Napoleonic Wars. The Western Hemisphere and Asia were dominated by the GTO in Europe. Africa and Oceania were dominated by the EDL. However, Germany was an exception. They had moved in and taken over the Netherlands, Belgium, and the Danish Peninsula. They were one of the most successful armies in the world. And then there were navies. The British had the most ships, but the U.S. and C.S. had the most ironclads. Fighting stopped for the winter, but when it resumed in March, the Yorktown campaign proved devastating. Americans were protesting the war in major cities on both coasts and in, and in Chicago, but the CSA was fully on board with the war. This led to British, French, Spanish, and Portuguese landing in an invasion force in southern Virginia. They captured the city where the British had surrendered to American forces over a hundred years prior in, 18, in 1781 in addition to the port building, to the shipbuilding port of of Norfolk. This led to U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt giving his famous We are all Confederates, we are all Unionists speech. The speech's most famous line read, We may have separate capitals and separate states, separate ideologies and separate parties, but we have a shared history. The men in Norfolk are, are akin to those in Boston and those in Charleston to Columbia. We may be Confederates, we may be Unionists, but we are all Americans united in the common cause of freedom, of liberty, and of justice. This speech rallied those throughout the Americas and the GTO. The New Yorktown campaign was repulsed. Americans took over Iceland and Greenland. Then came the turning point in the war. Germans had been stalled by the French, but in 1915 they reached Paris after the army was weakened by the Yorktown campaign. After that, Copenhagen fell, then Oslo. Soon after, Tibet and Nepal surrendered to a joint American, Confederate, and German force that marched in on Cape Town. Soon after, Tibet and Nepal surrendered, and a joint American, Confederate, and German force marched into Cape Town in British South Africa. The war ended the treaty. The war ended in the Treaty of Savannah, where the EDL was embarrassed and dismantled. The GTO became a global powerhouse. Roosevelt and Wilson became heroes. The period of prosperity lasted into the late 1920s followed. However, the Christmas crisis caused global stock prices to collapse the week of Christmas in 1928. The U.S., C.S., and Germany were hit hard, but it caused uproar in Britain, France, Russia, and the Iberian Peninsula. A dangerous new ideology came to power in small European states like Slovakia and Portugal called Communism but the more powerful governments in Nepal, until they did. The Second Republic, founded by Napoleon III, collapsed, and the People's Socialist Republic of France rose. Russia and Britain clamped down on all riots after seeing what had happened to France. To help those countries, the GTO admitted Great Britain, Russia, Spain, and the Ottoman Empire in 1936, at which point the U.S. and C.S. had recovered and Germany was very close to that. However, the GTO was not immune to the spread of Marxism. Japan and Brazil were expelled after communism came to power there. The most radical of this was the Austrian National Socialist Party led by Adolf Hitler, who became Supreme Dictator in 1940. 
American government officials were at odds with each other on what to do, with FDR and Huey Long calling for the formation of the United Socialist States of America, while others like Hubert Hoover called for an end of communism. The CSA had no lack of leadership in George P. Pratt, the newest CSA president. He called communism, especially the branch led by Hitler, the worst thing since Judas Iscariot. This put the CSA in the position to lead the GTO, which it does today. So when a revolution in Peru threatened to further communism in the New World, Pratt would intervene. You're a young child, Juanita Juarez, and you live 15 miles outside Lima, Peru. You're nine, and you can speak English, Spanish, and Portuguese, as your father is an American and your mother is a Brazilian communist. You've been living in this small town for your entire life. But your parents speak of how they met your father, a great war vet who fought in Belgium, and your mother, a nurse from the International Red Cross and First Aid Organization, who met your father when he lost his leg in the advance on Brussels. You see a confederate who lives in the town, Senor Davis, and gallop on his horse toward the town. Senor Davis, Senor Davis, do you have gifts? Si, Senora. Senor Davis hands you a book written in Spanish. It looks like a history book. Your mother comes out to you. Mijija, what are you doing talking to Senor Davis? Mama, he brought me a gift, a book. Senor Davis interjects himself into the conversation. It's a history of the Americas. I bought it when I was in Houston. Your mother opens the book and sees a page on capitalism. Juanita, go inside. What, Mama? Now, Juanita, your mother is angry. You run toward the house. Behind the bushes, here your mother is going to tell Senor Davis. Senor, I don't want my daughter, my daughter to have the capitalist book. Take it back. I'm sorry, Senorita, but President Pratt has given me orders. You're puzzled by this. Senor Davis is a dull citizen, and you always thought he was loyal to Peru. Your president has no authority here, your mother says. The army he's sending does. Senor Davis seemed mad. You run inside, but you hear your mother and Senor Davis fighting. A few days later, Confederate troops march into Lima. The communist revolt in Peru was unsuccessful, but stories like these caused Brazil to declare war in 1943, as it had in invested in the revolution. A coalition of American, German, and Asian forces led by the CSA and President Pratt would put down communism throughout the world. When Germans saw what Adolf Hitler was doing in Austria, they condemned it but saw that the con they condemned it but saw that the concentration camp ideology was more or less practiced by the ever shrinking number of Confederate slaveholders. The global communist war ended in nineteen fifty with communist countries in Japan, Brazil, France, Portugal, Austria, and others being put down. Through the end of the 20th century, the, war seemed, the world seemed to have reached a new evolution. The GTO had achieved a new dominance, a global peace with an effective decolonization. The USA had regained its dominance over the CSA in the 1970s. The fact that the CSA wasn't yet to abolish slavery continued to be a shock, and leaders throughout the world called for slavery to be put to an end in the CSA in 1983. The CSA agreed to a compromise. Upon the slaveholder's death, slaves would be freed. In addition, in 2025, all slaves would be freed. The civil rights reforms began in the 1990s, and the model being the largest city of the CSA in 2020, in, 20, in 2000. Dallas, Texas. 
Today, in 2000, plans are being made to restore the Lee-Grant Agreement to reintegrate the Confederacy into the Union with an old Washington capital. This has been an episode of Imagine It, where we explore a possible way history may have ended up. I am your host, Brody Burton. This podcast is a work of fiction. All people, places, and events mentioned are fictional or incidental. This content does not necessarily reflect the opinions of myself, any associated with the production of Imagineth, or any person mentioned. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe to What If on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening now. Thank you.